Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you for the next hour as we'll go all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Flying solo today. Uh, Seaman Tommy Guns out this week. They will return next week. Uh, a fun night of fights last night. Very, very stacked night as you had Showtime Boxing, who had a thrilling triple header that we'll get to. We also had UFC from Atlantic City. A lot of big names on this card. Very interesting card that was going down. And I think a main event that had a lot of stakes to it um, that, that uh, you know, the ramifications and the fallout of it we got to get into because there's a, there's a lot of drama now at 155 and where things stand, who deserves the title shot, who's actually going to get the title shot, and where things go from there. So we, uh, we will get into the UFC and all that in, in a little bit, but I want to start off with Showtime Boxing from last night because there's a lot of interesting things that went down, uh, some very impressive performances by a lot of young guys and... I want to start off with Javante Davis, who yesterday was taking on uh, Jesus Cuellar for uh, the vacant WBA super featherweight belt. And there were a lot of questions for Javante going into this fight. You know, he had not looked good in his last performance against, uh, in his last performance on the Mayweather-McGregor undercard. It was supposed to be a big showcase for him, over 4 million uh, pay-per-view buys. It's a big showcase for a young fella who was the, the youngest champion in boxing at that time. And it wasn't a great performance. He was It was very lackluster, not to mention that he also didn't make way for that fight, lost his title on the scale for that fight, and kind of seemed ho-hum about it, you know, just whatever. And you were worrying whether or not this was going to be the, the start of some unraveling. If it was too much too soon for Javante Davis, and they were going to start being some let up. And so it was it was a little discouraging and a little bit worrisome as boxing fans where this young promising prospect um, looked like he had the potential to be one of the next stars of the sport was going down a path that was going to lead him to have some shortcomings. That wasn't the case. And he was so impressive yesterday against Jesus Cuellar. Just so, so impressive, bringing hellacious body shots to him really really just rim rocking he, he dropped him a couple times with just brutal shots to his liver a straight left at one point uh, a, a looping right uh, in another round just dominating him and not only did he dominate him in, in in very impressive fashion but this is what I thought was the the real impressive sign of some maturity you know he gets interviewed by Jim Gray afterwards and he owned it you know he talked about I think that being on Mayweather cards on back-to-back, you know, times for me was a little bit much. It got to my head. I thought big of myself, and I realized that some things needed to change. I needed to take some things more seriously. I wasn't focused, and he got himself in a camp where 
He was more focused. He made weight easily. That wasn't an issue this time. And he looked unstoppable last night. It was so, so encouraging to see. And the fact that he owned that stuff, he owned the things that were a hiccup for, were a hiccup for him early on, was very encouraging as well. Showed maturity, not only in the ring, but outside the ring as well. So I thought that was great to see. There are some interesting things, though, as far as what is next for him. Because there was somebody who was noticeably absent yesterday, and that was Floyd Mayweather, who is his promoter. And there has been some rumblings about whether or not they're on the best of terms right now. Because if you remember, the last time we saw Floyd, in between him saying that his next fight was going to be in mixed martial arts, he was getting asked by Jim Gray about Javante Davis and what's next for him because Javante's fight was coming up. And he said he wanted to do the Lomachenko fight. And it kind of raised an eyebrow for everybody because Floyd is the the poster child for make the most money you can with the least amount of risk. And so it was surprising that he wanted to throw really the best fighter he's got in his stable in Mayweather Promotions at Lomachenko, a fight that just seems not that he couldn't win at some point in his career, but for right now, where Javante was at and with all the questions that we had about him, it seems surprising that he wanted to throw him to the wolves like that. Lomachenko is making guys quit on the stool, and these are guys with lots of experience. Think about what Lomachenko did to Guillermo Rigondeaux, a guy with a, a boxing pedigree and a boxing lineage that is so impressive a huge amateur background who, who frustrates people every time he steps into the ring. He made that guy mentally quit. And that's that that's the kind of animal we're dealing with when it comes to Vasily Lomachenko. So to think that you're going to throw a guy in Javante Davis who is young into his boxing career, who has a lot of promise, who is dealing with some things. He's only 23 years old, and you wanted to put him right in there with Lomachenko – just seemed very surprising that he wanted to do that. And so did you get to the point of, okay, is the theory that he doesn't think Javante Tavis is going to pan out, and so he just wants to build the hype right now? Either way, Javante didn't like that and pushed back on Floyd's early promotion. Now, to his credit yesterday, he did say he wouldn't back that down. He just wants to do it, obviously, for the right money. Right now, he wants to go with uh, the winner of Billy Dib versus Tevin Farmer. Uh, to unify his titles and, and get another belt and, and get things right back on track that way. And to Javante, I, I, I say, I don't have a problem with that. You know, some people may go and say, ah, he's ducking Lomachenko. He doesn't want none. Look, I think there's a lot of people in the sport right now who are, who are, who are ducking Lomachenko. They don't want none and don't know how to figure him out. I'm certainly not going to give crap to the 23-year-old who's at that point right now who just had his 20th professional fight and still has a lot of learning to do. And I especially don't think he should do it if he feels like he's actually getting serious about things now and you see him getting a lot better. Yesterday was so impressive with the way he was able to break his opponent down and go in there and not only just put forth just a, a tremendous body attack, but just looked so accurate. He was so keen on his offense. It was really just such a great breakdown of his opponent. And so if he needs a little bit more seasoning, I think instead of calling him scared, we should call him smart at this point in his career. It's, it, it's, not like, it's not like there's not other options out there for Lomachenko, probably bigger options, especially if we can get the Manny Pacquiao fight down the road. And 
that star is only getting bigger. I do think that that is a fight which would be fun, but I don't know if either one of them are really at the point in our careers in their careers right now where we should see it just yet. I think I think both of them have some growing to do. So from my from my standpoint, I don't have a problem with um, with Javante Davis wanting to let that one season a little bit. I'm I'm totally cool with that. Um, they're way apart in age. I mean, Lomachenko's 30. He just turned 30. So you would like it to happen probably before Lomachenko gets into his mid-30s, like 34. You'd like to get it done by 32 while Javante's maybe 25, 26. Um, but but I, it doesn't seem quite like those guys are, are lined up for each other just yet. So I, I thought that interesting. Now, the interesting, the other interesting thing was where does the Mayweather relationship stand right now with Javante Davis? Because he noticeably didn't mention Floyd Mayweather in the post-game, in the post-fight interview with Jim Gray. He, you didn't see Floyd there. Leonard Ellerby was there. Um, I mean, Floyd's been, you know, living it up down here in Miami. He's seemingly been at every heat game since, uh, since March. So good for Floyd. He, you know, deserves to go live his life how he wants to. He doesn't have to be at every Javante Davis fight. But if Floyd is serious about promotion, it's Mayweather promotions, and he's not at Javante Davis's fight. He's not in the ring with him afterwards. Um, maybe he'll chalk it up to I didn't want to steal the shine from the young fella, and let's let, just let him be him. Maybe. But it was noticeable. It was noticeable that he wasn't there, and that the last time that he mentioned him, he wanted him to get in there with possibly the best fighter on the planet right now at 23 years old. So that's an interesting thing to to see how that pans out, if, if they're going to have a long-lasting relationship. Because one thing that is always going to be over you with Floyd, it's not just the fact that he's one of the best fighters of all time, best fighter of the last 15 years. It's that you have this... You have this 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 shadow of he's the biggest star there ever was and the biggest pay-per-view draw there is. And so there's there's a different pressure that also comes with being this the 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 real golden pony of of Floyd's promotional stable if you will. And I I can imagine that that could be tough especially if you're not on the same track with Floyd and and where you should be fighting at this current time. So that's an interesting thing to watch out for. The other great performance yesterday, and we'll get into the Broner-Vargas fight in a little bit, but I want to focus on the young guys in a second, just for a little bit. Jamar Ch- uh, Jamal Charlo yesterday. Jamal Charlo with a very, very impressive win over Hugo Centeno uh, at middleweight. He had just a, a real highlight, real knockout. Cracked Centeno right across the face, dropped him, didn't get up from it, and... Called out Triple G afterward. They made him as his mandatory for the WBC for Triple G's title and called out Triple G. And I thought it was awesome. Good for him. Uh, the Charlo twins are are great for the sport, very charismatic, and holy hell are they talented. I mean, fight down in that stable in Houston, really, really impressive fighters and are, are blossoming before our very eyes. But this is what bummed me out, and I'm sorry to go on this sidetrack, but this Jim Gray, what a wet blanket he is. Because Charlo's out there, and he's trying to make himself, he's trying to take a big hack. He is he is 
Gennady Golovkin's mandatory now. And this Jim Gray immediately goes to, well, how are we going to make that happen? We got network issues. Hey, hey, Jim Gray. As opposed to the fight beforehand, where we have some hurdles and actual desire hurdles of the Lomachenko fight happening. Jamal Charlo's there telling you he wants to take on Gennady Golovkin. He wants to take on Triple G, one of the baddest men on the planet, one of the most feared men on the planet. He wants to step in there with him and show that he can go in there and beat him at this point in his career. And for this Jim Gray to swoop in like a buzzer, be like, yeah, but what about the uh, promotional issues? Hey, man. Why don't you just let the guy have his moment? If he wants to call out Gennady Golovkin, and he has that time, that precious, precious time being interviewed after a win, and he wants to do that, taking a swing, like, at a potential fight with Gennady Golovkin, he got to let him do it. I mean, it's not his job to figure out promotional issues and all this nonsense. He's not going for... He's not, he's not beefing down. He's not going at Gennady Golovkin. If it was Golovkin and you want to talk about those issues, I could even see it being more viable. But if the young fella wants to go in there and let people know, hey, I want Gennady Golovkin next. I am his mandatory. I deserve that fight. You got to let him roll, man. You got to let him roll. You got to let him go in there and promote the hell out of that fight and, and let people, oh, oh, who, whoa, who's this guy? Who is this guy who just had a highlight reel knockout in two rounds? He wants to fight Gennady Golovkin? Nobody wants to fight Gennady Golovkin. He wants to get in there with Triple G. Yeah, man, you got to let that You gotta let that ride. And this Jim Gray sometimes, it's just like, how are we going to make that happen with promotional <laughs> What? Who wants to hear that right now as a boxing fan? How are we going to do this with the promotional issues? I don't know. I'm not Al Heyman. He'll figure that out. What, what are you asking me that question for? I'm the fighter. I'm telling you, the fighter's job at at that point in the fight, especially if you're not a Manny Pacquiao or a Floyd Mayweather who has, like, actual pull, who, who, who is going to dictate to his promoter who he's going to fight at all times. If you're Jamal Charlo and you are demanding a fight with Triple G, what do you care what, what the promoters have to figure out? Just say who you want to fight. And that's what he did. And so for Jim Gray to be like, but what about the promotional issues and the and the cover? All right. Thanks, Jim. Way, way to go. What a, what a swell job by you there. Don't, don't, don't let the guy then say, why do you think you could beat Triple G? Why do you think you're ready for Gennady Golovkin? Don't let him use that. Don't let him state his case there that you could use for B-roll and promotional lead-up to the fight to make it the biggest fight ever. No, no, no. Ask him, what about the promotionals? It's just, Jim Gray's question to Charlo yesterday was such a wet blanket question to him. Promotional issue? Why is that the fighter's issue? He's a, he's a, he's a young lion who just had one of the biggest highlight knockouts of his career, and he's telling you, he wants to fight one of the best pound-for-pound pound fighters on the planet. Don't ask him about contract negotiations. Just say, whoa, you want to fight Triple G? Why do you think you're ready for that fight? How do you think you can win that fight? And when the hell can we make that fight happen? Don't worry about who's going to be interviewing him afterwards. You or Max Kellerman, because that's what it felt like. Worry about 
How does this young fella think he is ready to take on Triple G yet? How does he plan to get get the story there, man? Promotional questions. You'll have that in the lead up to all access or 24-7. All the time in the world to get to that stuff. Let, let's hear why this guy wants to take that next step yet. It was just such a bummer question by Jim Gray yesterday. And props to Jamal Charlo for getting that win. And props to him for wanting that Triple G fight. That was a hell of a performance yesterday. We'll get into the Broner-Vargas fight on the other side. Plus, we have ourselves a, a real, real mix at 155 in the UFC's lightweight division. Who the hell gets to fight for the title next? That's next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, guys. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you. We'll go up until around 11 o'clock today. Before we get back into the fights, I want to remind you guys, coming up May 19th, in just a few weeks, we got March for Cancer going down. March for Cancer on May 19th. It's a 5K walk run on Fort Lauderdale Beach. It's a fantastic cause uh, started up by Seaman Tommy Guns. As you know, we we all know that cancer is a, a tremendous hardship on people, and it's it's a very very scary fight. And yeah, there's a lot of great organizations and a lot of great charities that raise money for cancer research, trying to beat the disease. But there's also a, a great need for people who are in the fight, taking on cancer at this very time that don't have the resources, that may not be there to see the end results from all this great research. And just have day-to-day expenses, day-to-day living, just getting to treatments is, is, is a real hardship for people. That's what March for Cancer raises money for. Um, you know, all the money that is donated, it goes right to the fund to help people directly dealing with cancer at this very day, at this very time, to help them with bills, to get them travel to their treatments, to help them with, with daily expenses that they're dealing with in the the hardest fight of their lives really you know we talk about fights here every single week and this is the hardest fight of their lives so march for cancer i i, I really I, I can't speak enough of what a great event this is uh, i've done it multiple times and you know just such a positive atmosphere you go down there and and it's like you think it's going to be this this uh this this you know group of sadness because we're dealing with such a heavy thing it's not it's just so it's so powerful seeing all these survivors together all these families that um are either are either with family members that have beaten cancer or to honor those who have 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 um passed from cancer and they're doing this either in ways to honor them or or ways to help them or ways to get through this together and it's all in the name of people who are still dealing with the fight together it really does feel like this um amazing community event that's put forth and so if you guys want to register for this event, May 19th, May 19th, it's a Saturday morning, early Saturday morning. So you go there. It's a beautiful walk run right on Fort Lauderdale Beach. Um, you could do it with your family. You could do it by yourself. You could do it with, with maybe somebody who's um, going through this or in honor of somebody who's going through this. And all of your donation and registration for this is going to go right to a direct fund to help those dealing with cancer right now. And you know, Seema was mentioned this last week, you know, a woman who had, you know, three children and was fighting cancer, got laid off from her job because she couldn't, she couldn't work and was going to get the lights shut off on her and have child services called on her. And this fund was able to keep her lights on, um, allow her to buy groceries to keep things going just because that's the kind of help that they're in need of. Um, and these are stories that you don't hear about all the time because we're always talking about 
um, down the road, how can we help beat this disease? And that's very, very important. I'm not, I'm not trying to discourage that. That's it's, it's tremendous work that all those groups are doing, but there are people who do need to be helped right now. And that's what much for cancer is for. So if you want to walk, run, participate, volunteer. If you are a, if you own a business and you, this is something you may want to sponsor, marchforcancer.org. You can register there. You can inquire there, marchforcancer.org. It's May 19th on Fort Lauderdale Beach. Um, I'll be there. Look forward to seeing you guys all out there in our Fighters for Your community and um, and hope you can check that out, marchforcancer.org. Again, I'll tweet out that link after the show if you guys just want some easy work to it, at Brendan underscore Tobin on Twitter at 790 the ticket on Twitter. We'll, I'll retweet it there. Uh, marchforcancer.org, May 19th on Fort Lauderdale Beach. Um, getting into last night, UFC, Atlantic City. It was an okay card. It wasn't it wasn't fantastic. Uh, you had a highlight real knockout from David Branch. He knocked out Tiago Santos, who, by the way, this is an interesting card because you had Tiago Santos and Edson Barboza on the same card. You may have the two hardest kickers in the sport right there in the same uh, in the same octagon on the same night. And I will say this too about Tiago Santos: may have the baddest tattoo in the UFC. He has a Jesus cross, but it's a, but it's an octagon, so it's a cross. But between each cross point are octagon sides, all on the background of 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 cage fence. It is a badass tattoo. Not to mention he also has a sledgehammer on his chest, which is a cool weapon. Like I, I really do think that in medieval times, if I had to go with an unorthodox weapon that wasn't the sword, I mean everybody uses a sword if you were in medieval times. I mean it's kind of unoriginal, to be honest with you. But if I had to go in the category of spear, mace, or sledgehammer or or battle axe, I may go sledgehammer. It it just looks cool. Um, I don't feel like it's as gruesome. The 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 blunt force that would come with a battle axe, which is just bloody, and then I don't have to so much worry about cleaning my battle axe. I, I would just have a I would just have a sledgehammer. So I would just want to say, Tiago Santos, bummer that you lost, but your ink looks right. I think you have the baddest tattoos in the UFC. Really really cool. I mean, in, in, in a sport where everybody's got ink, it's very rare that you see a fighter that has no ink at all. I think Tiago Santos may have the best tattoos in the entire promotion. Nevertheless, he did get cracked yesterday by David Branch and and uh, and lost in a first-round knockout. But I just wanted to give him props there. I'm a big fan of Tiago Santos, and I'm a big fan of his ink. Yesterday, you had Frankie Edgar also win in a unanimous decision over Cub Swanson which was great for Frankie. A lot of people went to this fight worried about Frankie, that he was taking the fight too soon. He had just lost to Brian Ortega, um, but they don't come to New Jersey very often. You had to know Frankie Edgar was going to do everything he could to be in that fight, but we remember the last time this happened, uh, you could think, I remember it was Donald Cerrone. God, I can't remember who he beat. Uh, I want to say it was the Matt Brown fight. It was the Matt Brown fight. He had just beat Matt Brown in an absolute slugfest, Definitely, definitely got rocked a bunch of times against Matt Brown. And then he took on Jorge Masvidal. Shout out to Jorge. Um, on, I want to say it was two and a half weeks notice. Maybe three. But it was in Denver. It was in Cowboys' hometown. And Masvidal messed him up. Messed him up something proper. And that was really kind of the start of the downslide for D- uh, Donald Cerrone, who's in, who's in a bit of a rally mode right now. Um, but... That is a dangerous, dangerous spot. 
when you you don't know if you're fully recovered, especially the way he lost. Like if we're talking, all right, he didn't take too many headshots. This was a this was a fight that it kept it to a minimal. You feel about it. he got starched. He got he got blasted for the first time in his career. Finished, Frankie Edgar. This is a guy. This guy gets through everything. You never see Frankie Edgar like that. So a lot of people were worried. Taking on a dangerous guy in Cub Swanson, uh, a, a proven vet. These guys fought an, a, a razor thin fight the last time they went at it, but he pulled out the win. Um, certainly wasn't uh, the most exciting fight in the world, but a good performance by Frankie, and just shows you he's one of the biggest badasses on the planet. Well, I should probably say he's one of the smallest badasses on the planet. He's a tiny person, but. He really, really is just, uh, just, just such an old school throwback. I think one of the best wins Frankie had recently was against Yaya Rodriguez because people thought that was going to be the. It was it, people thought that was Frankie getting thrown to the wolves. You know that they had this young prospect. They wanted to get a legend win on his resume, and Frankie beat him into a pulp. And we haven't seen Yaya Rodriguez since, by the way. Um. You know, just when everybody thinks Frankie Edgar is down and out and isn't going to bounce back and we don't think that he's got anything left in the tank, he goes out and he gets a win like that. Just shows you what a badass he is. Now, the biggest story out of yesterday was the main event. And Kevin Lee was taking on Edson Barboza. Lightweight uh, fight for five rounds. And a couple storylines going into this. We talked last week about Dustin Poirier and his win over Justin Gaethje, and Dustin Poirier was talking about whether or not that was good enough to get him in the conversation for a title, a title shot, and I think it absolutely is. I mean, if we're going to talk about, if it's not Conor McGregor, if it's not Tony Ferguson, Tony Ferguson has a couple things going against him. One, I don't think Tony Ferguson is going to get a shot at Khabib for a little bit because that, that fight is cursed. Let's just say it. Khabib versus Tony Ferguson is absolutely cursed. We're never going to get it. It's uh, it, it feels like just something the MMA gods don't want happening. So Tony Ferguson versus Khabib, put it on the back burner. He also has a giant scar on the side of his knee that's stapled together by about 50 staples. I don't think he's fighting for a while. Let's put it generously at he'll fight by the end of the year. Conor McGregor, obviously. If Conor McGregor wants to fight Khabib, uh, if all the legal things pan out, Conor McGregor deserves the shot at Khabib Namagamadov. He was champ. It's the biggest fight. It's the biggest moneymaker. So I think it goes without debate. Conor deserves the shot over everybody. It was his belt. Khabib won it on some weird circumstances. He got to beat uh, a last-minute opponent, not by his fault, but he did. And... These guys obviously have tremendous beef. There has been a buildup with throwing a dolly at a bus that contained Khabib. It's all too perfect. That would be the title shot. So let's put Connor and Khabib on the back burner. Let's say Connor's not fighting anytime soon. Khabib says he wants to be a champion who defends. Okay, we got ourselves some contenders. Let's talk defense. So Dustin Poirier wins last week in a very, very impressive fight, fight of the year candidate against Justin Gaethje. Fought through a brutal, brutal leg injury, had to leave the fight on crutches, but stopped Justin Gaethje, was dynamic with his striking, seemingly gets better every time he steps into the cage. Dustin Poirier was tremendous. 
Kevin Lee yesterday goes out and has an awesome showing against Edson Barboza. Edson Barboza once again struggles keeping a really dynamic wrestler with great ground and pound off of him. Takes a bad, bad beating for many, many rounds over this five-round span, basically. You could argue there were three 10-8s in there. That's how dominant and one-sided it was for Kevin Lee. I think two judges gave him two 10-8s. One judge gave him the three 10-8s. Very, very dominant. Kevin Lee also took a wheel kick from hell off the top of his temple. It stanky-legged him. He looked like he was going down. I don't know how he stand up. He looked like a baby moose out of his mother's womb. I don't know how it happened. But God love Kevin Lee. He went through it. He took the wheel kick and then turned it into a takedown. What a badass. He's charismatic. He's he's well-rounded. I think he's only 25 years old, Kevin Lee. He seemingly has it all. He's got everything you want. He did just lose to Tony Ferguson on a title shot. He had a bad staph infection that fight. It was disgusting. Joe Rogan let us know about it. It was gross. Now, one thing that can't be ignored going into this fight, he missed weight. He fought this fight at a catch weight of 157 pounds. He couldn't make the weight. First time in his career he's missed weight, though it was tough the last time, and he has been very vocal that he would like to be fighting at 165 pounds if they make that division. The last player in this, we could say, is Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez also has a very, very impressive win over Justin Gaethje. And it was for the title of most violent man in mixed martial arts. The only difference you could say with that one, uh, with, with, with this fight, was it was a three-round fight. So, a little bit of uh, a little bit of he was going to be able to go gung ho, uh, a little bit more. So, if you were to say who had a more impressive win over Justin Gaethje, if Justin Gaethje is the gauge there, I got to give the nod to Dustin over Eddie. Yes, they had the cool gimmick of oh Eddie versus Dustin, uh, Eddie versus Justin, most violent man in the UFC. But Poirier's fight went a little bit longer. And it was a five-round fight. It was a main event fight. So you're training for a, a, an even longer potential war in the octagon. Those two also have passed. Eddie and Dustin had themselves a hell of a fight that ended in a terrible way. Alvarez landed illegal knees to Poirier's head. He was down at the time. Fight stopped. No contest. So who deserves the title shot? If it's not Connor, let's call this the if not Connor. If not Connor, over Dustin Poirier, Eddie Alvarez, and Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee's very vocal yesterday, calling out Khabib. He is the best talker amongst the group. He is maybe the most well-rounded amongst the group. Tough to give him that over Eddie Alvarez. But he's getting better. He's 25 years old. I mean, there's still a ceiling here for Kevin Lee. But here's the big knock, and it can't be ignored with Kevin Lee. He missed weight. And I know that this hasn't been a huge factor in the past. You could go see Yoel Romero, who missed weight against Luke Rockhold, beat Luke Rockhold, still got the title shot. However... 
There's a big difference. Right now, at 155, there's a lot of contenders. And I just think if we're slicing it thin, if we're going Poirier, Kevin Lee, Eddie Alvarez, it has to be a tiebreaker that one guy actually was able to make 155 to the guy who wasn't, even if it was barely. Poirier made weight for his last fight. Kevin did not. Kevin has now had struggles in two of his last fights, making weight, and that's concerning, especially against a fight with Khabib, who's also had his own weight issues at 155. So, even as a prom- if I were to put my promoter hat on, while Kevin Lee is a dream on the microphone, and I think that if you were to talk about the pre-fight buildup, Kevin Lee versus Habib, on the back of my mind, it has to be there. Are these guys both going to make weight? How does it not? Where Poirier, he's always on weight. He used to fight at featherweight. You really don't have a concern that he's going to miss weight. And his resume at lightweight is undeniable. He's lost one fight, and it was to Michael Johnson in an absolute barn burner. Those guys talked a lot of bleep. He got caught. But his record, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, and a no contest because Eddie Alvarez, for on his side, cheated. He hit him with a knee while he was down. Did he mean to? No. But just because you don't mean to cheat doesn't mean you didn't cheat. So if we were to really look at it, the best resumes right now at Lightweight, you got Dustin Poirier, who's 7-1-1 since he's been back at lightweight. Has never had a title shot. And his last and his and his biggest blemishes getting caught by Michael Johnson, an explosive fighter. Okay, probably the lowest ranked loss of that bunch, but has won the most. Then you look at Eddie. Eddie recently. Had the championship, so he's a former champion that sells itself. But he got cleaned up by Conor McGregor. He had an iffy performance over Dustin Poirier where he cheated. And that fight got called off. And then Justin Gaethje, great performance. Was Dustin's better? I'd say so. And then we have Kevin Lee, who has also been very impressive. Was great last night. Cleaned up Benson Barboza. Did just have an interim title shot. Lost to Tony Ferguson. Had a weird ending against Michael Chiesa, but I think he should get all the credit in the world for winning that fight. And though he may be the most charismatic and most marketable out of the three, didn't make weight. And I do think that has to be a check. So if I were to look over this, Dustin Poirier's got the best record. And he always makes weight. And hasn't had a title shot amongst these three. I think Dustin, I think of those three, Dustin deserves it most. Then I'd go Eddie, and then I'd go Kevin Lee. I think in this in this regard, missing the weight, missing 155 pounds, and you're telling people actively, I'd rather be fighting at a higher weight class. And your only argument, his only argument yesterday against Dustin Poirier, he's like, oh, he's not championship caliber. But really, his only argument was, I'm more marketable than Dustin Poirier is. Well, who cares? 
at this point, like, at marketable, you think any of you are, 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 are hauling in a bunch of pay-per-views, Eddie Alvarez, Kevin Lee, or, or, uh, or Dustin Poirier? No. So let's give it to the guy who's most deserving. And to me, it's Dustin Poirier. I don't think it's really a question. Seven, one, and one at lightweight? He gets a he gets a knockout, and you're gonna penalize him because Eddie Alvarez need him in the head when he was down. No, he has to run that back. His resume is better right now, to me. And so, it's a tight race. I don't think I'd be I, I would tune into all three of those fights. They're all great fights. Habib against Eddie Alvarez, awesome fight. Against Kevin Lee, wouldn't hate it. Dustin Poirier, amazing. Does he have the the wrestling pedigree those other guys do? No. But what? You, you think those guys are going to go out-wrestle Khabib? That's not determined. Just because they got the skill set? Who's to say? I think I think Dustin Poirier is the guy. If we're going to go in the not-Connor category, to me, Dustin Poirier deserves the title shot. We'll be back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790. The ticket, Tobin, here with you. Didn't mention last night the Adrian Brono-Jesse Vargas fight, uh, which was a majority draw yesterday. A majority draw, Adrian Broner yesterday. Um, always pleasant on the mic afterwards, is the simplest way I can put it. Uh, Jesse Vargas and him, he's like, uh, Jesse Vargas says, we could, we could go at it again, and... Adrian Broner just says Adrian Broner things. You know what the thing is, man, with Adrian? It's like you just see how talented he is, and everybody's just screaming at the television like, why don't you throw more? Why don't you throw more? His coach is doing it. Coaches have done it. Fans, announcers, everybody. Um, because you saw the second half of that fight compared to what it was in the first half of that fight, and you're just like, man, what, why Why can't we get this more out of him? Um you know, it's, it's it was interesting because you watched Javante Davis that last the uh, earlier in that card, and there's some parallels because Javante is obviously under the wing of um, of Floyd Mayweather, and they were connected through Adrian Broner, I believe. And Javante's gone the way of more offense, more exciting, more dynamic, especially yesterday, really getting back up in that. And I think people were maybe worried that we were getting another Adrian Broner with the way he fought on the Mayweather McGregor card. But, you know, Adrian made his bones about him. Like, he was, you know, people looked at him and he was a bleep talker and all that. But he had the offense. That's what everybody fell in love with. Typically is with fight. Fight fans fall, fall in love with offense, really, more so than defense. It's just natural. Um, and his was so dynamic. And then you were just like, well, where did it go? He went to the shoulder roll style. He tried to carbon copy Floyd and... He, like, it was almost like he's always been the better aggressive puncher than the counter puncher, and I don't know. I don't know. So, yesterday he gets a draw. I had I had Jesse edging it out, uh, but I'm not one of these people who's uh, – if unless I know it's a robbery, unless it's absolutely terrible. And normally these are, you know, it's an 8-4 fight for a guy, and a guy loses it by two. Those are the things I'll get upset about. If a guy – if it's called a draw – or if eight, if you had Adrian win like Julie Letterman had it fifth one fifteen one thirteen for Adrian, I had it one fifteen one thirteen for Vargas. Cares? I mean, it's 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 splitting hairs. It's subjective at that point. Um, but you know, I, I, 
to me, I watch Adrian Broner. I don't see a guy who's washed up. That's the thing that's frustrating. I just see a guy who I don't think he quite knows what he wants to be in there at all times. And, yeah, he says some goofy, dumb things on the microphone. But people like watching him. I mean, there's a reason that after all this turmoil and all this um, – I guess all these 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 speed bumps in his career that he's still main eventing on Showtime. People like watching Adrian Broner, that's for sure. Uh, next week, let's get into next week before we get out of here. Uh, a bunch of interesting fights next week on HBO. The the big fight I want to watch out for is Jermel Miller, uh, Jarrell and Jermel. Jarrell big, big Baby Miller is going to be fighting Johan Dehupois in a WBA heavyweight uh, title eliminator, and that's on HBO. Reason being is I think if Jarrell wins, I think he's going to probably be fighting Anthony uh, Anthony Joshua. Jesus. Uh, my, my name's this this segment. If Jarrell Big Baby Miller wins that fight, I think he's going to be fighting Anthony Joshua next. I don't think it's going to be the Deontay Wilder fight. Um, I think that Jarrell will get the nod. This is an Eddie Hearn promoted card. Uh, Daniel Jacobs is kind of his guy, his little toe in the water to America. And so I think that if Jarrell wins, I think it's a natural progression. You know, Eddie always speaks very highly of him. I think Big Baby Miller is going to end up getting that fight against Anthony Joshua next before we get to the Deontay Wilder-Anthony Joshua unification fight. And Jarrell's an interesting fighter, man. Uh, kickboxing background, trains with uh, – he's, he's sparred with the Klitschko's. He trains down here. At Hard Knocks 365 with Luke Rockhold and Kamara Usman and all those guys over at Henry Hoof's place. So still is in the MMA gym, even though he's not an MMA fighter. Just a very interesting interesting cat. And so even if he is put into that title contention there, I won't be mad at it because uh, Jarrell Miller's an interesting guy. I think that's a cool wrinkle. Huge, huge body for for heavyweight. Uh, you wonder how many how he throws so many punches at his size, but he does. Um, so that's an interesting one to watch out for. Daniel Jacobs is also fighting. Um, it's always it's always interesting watching the Miracle Man fight, so I'll be into that. And then Fedor Frank Mir in the heavyweight Grand Prix. Bellator, the heavyweight Grand Prix continues. I am going to go with... I'm going to go with Frank Mir beating Fedor. Frank Mir's been out of the game for a little bit. He had a suspension. Um... But you know, I'm just I'm not I'm not a big Fedor guy. I've never I've never really been a big Fedor guy. Um, I got he, Fedor was one of the first fights I watched in mixed martial arts, and he lost. Like I was getting it was actually Alex Dano. He's like, oh, you got to see this Fedor guy. I think we were down at Sandgrove or Sandbar in the Grove watching it, and Fedor lost. I was like, ah, Fedor. <laughs> but um, I've just never been a big Fedor guy. He's I'm not I'm not that old school to my mixed martial arts fanhood. That I would be. Um, and I think Frank Mir pulls that one out. I think uh, I'll, I'll take Frank Mir via submission for that one. Everybody have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll talk to you again next uh, same time, same place next week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.